0: Well, Wow! Well, wow! Well, and welcome to the Crazy Dre podcast show, ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, this is your main man of the 22 to 35 minutes, aka Crazy Crockett, aka Andre's podcast. Yes, you can find me on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today is Thanksgiving. And to celebrate Thanksgiving, I take Thanksgiving off every year so I can hang out with my extended family and my siblings on this day. And it's it's pretty awesome. There's a lot of food. There's a lot of games. There's uh, NFL football games on. I'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, I work in a hospital, and I'm in a rehab center. And I have to pick and choose the dates that I'll have off for the holidays. Because in a hospital rehab center place, we have to pick and choose the holidays that, we'll, that we will work on. And we have to work on two out of the three. So Thanksgiving is the one that I choose to take off from work. And... uh yeah, it's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to, to relax and enjoy a day off right in the middle of the week. I took, I took yesterday off as well. Uh, I had extra hours to spare. So that was pretty awesome. And then, and then Tuesday, so the Tuesday, I took my fr- friend out in a wheelchair out at two founders and for the first time in about a hundred years, I went up to a girl and uh, started talking to her, and I would never do that, uh, as you know. In in my other podcast, my my like cerebral palsy handicapped look that I have, uh, I don't really adventure out. But saying that, the lady, the young lady that I was talking to, she basically has cerebral palsy to To the max, and I guess the worst thing I ever did is I went up to her and said, "Hey, I noticed that you have some form of disability. I wanted to get to know you." But in reality, I should have just said, "Hey, I wanted to get to know you. I, I, you seemed like an interesting person," and that's something I have to uh, learn how to adapt. To to when I approach someone, I shouldn't feel so un unconfident with myself and then make her uncomfortable and unconfident about herself. And basically I basically put her down as much as I put myself down. Now I wish I had more confidence I'm working on it. But that's something that most people with a disability who are born with a disability we always have that type of struggle unless we're super smart like uh Stephen Hawkins and those guys. But but people like me, it's I mean, it's I mean I'm pretty impressed with the fact that that I went up to her, she responded, I got her name, I didn't get her phone number because I told her she was more than welcome to join me and my friend. Now my friend is in a wheelchair and He's been married for too long, and he's happily married, so I shouldn't say too long. I mean, he's just happily married, and uh, and he uh, gets really verbally, you know, just yapping away. And then, and then she said something like, "I have to go eat my my dinner." And then, if I, she she literally said, "I'll come back if I have time." Or she was waiting for a phone call, but in reality, she already took that phone call, and then come to find out, she was talking to a couple other guys. So, my buddy thought that she'll come back, and I told him like, if if she was interested, she would have never left. And then, second of all, she would have she would have at least came back. And sat there again with us and then she probably would have gave me her phone number but I didn't ask for her phone number either so that is that that is basically a learning curve that I have to and already yeah it's just a learning curve that I have to learn how to to integrate myself to be more um, updated to anything that's not normal, or anything that's I need to make my abnormality normal, which isn't a big a big deal. And I have to do the same thing with people with other disabilities or other um, personality traits that's a bit different than mine. And when I do that, then I'll have a better conversation with somebody that's not based on sports or politics or anything that's going around uh, on around the world news and all that stuff so that's a learning curve i'm more than happy to uh say that i had a little confidence booster it's been a long time since i've even tried to do that um uh, i think i did that because again i think because i she has a form of 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 cerebral palsy and that was my ticket in but that's the only thing i could bring myself to talk about right i didn't even get to talk about anything like that so it's cool that she she she's a very very educated person travels a lot does stuff in medical field for uh, medical utensils for the doctors to use during surgery she kind of gives them the the info what kind of um, tool they should use for a sur- for a particular surgery and so on and so forth so saying that it's kind of cool that it happened on Thanksgiving weekend or week and then you know it's awesome that I'm downtown I'm not in the in a semi-suburban place where there's only one bar, or well, there's a couple bars, but you know there's always one bar that's the go-to bar. And I haven't been there for about three months, and I love it. I love the fact that I can go out and talk to different people and so on, and just you know, if I don't ever talk to that same person ever again, that's my. I don't. I don't care. It's just it's just awesome to be around people that enjoy living life. That 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 like to get out and have fun or, and like to integrate with other people and other social environments and other social events. And yesterday, Wednesday nights was the busiest bar night in the United States because most people don't have family and that's something that most people need to understand that that there's a lot of people who are who are alone and i would consider myself alone but at least i have family and i have friends and i have can go somewhere and i don't and i'm not that anti social personality i will start a conversation with people i will i will have a a day of of time where i can just be myself at home and and watch sports or do reading or do a podcast or do something on Fruit Loop Studio, which I'm still trying to learn how that, to do as well. Uh, it's like really techno beats and all that, but but that's one thing I wish I did have is left hand so I could play the guitar, I could write a song or play the piano and make it more of a, of a intimate moment when you write a song. Sometimes all you need to write a song is a beat, or when you strain a guitar and you make a sound, and 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 how you play the guitar will give you a type of song that you could write in your head, and that's something I wish I did have is just a left hand to do that, and uh, because it's very difficult to to play the piano on a computer. And then make it sound like a real piano player. So that's one thing. That's one disadvantage I'll have. Is that I won't be able to put things together properly. And then make the piano roll. And make it sound like it's supposed to be a piano player. It's too mechanical. So I'm still learning how to do stuff like that. I, I lose a little patience about stuff like that. So that's something I have to learn as well, but going back to <clears throat> going back to people who don't have friends and family, that's why they go to bars they go there to get drunk I mean, and there's other people like them who who enjoy drinking and but it's really like like today those people don't have anywhere to go to. they'll go home and Sit in the middle of the week at home by themselves without any Thanksgiving dinner or any Thanksgiving uh, feast or any friends and family. Uh, the town that I live in is giving out 290 free turkeys to people that are in need of it, which I'm a little amused by that because. Of how many of those families actually have an oven at work properly that can cook properly that's something that you must consider so when so when you give people a whole turkey, you have to realize that some of those people don't have an oven and I just I don't get it but but it's thanksgiving Thanksgiving weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions and the Giants game. And, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about Detroit Lions and the Bills. I'm like reading three things at once. So the Bills versus Detroit. They got Detroit plus nine and a half points. So now that we have nine and a half points for Detroit, we have to consider Detroit. Are they really a good team? Are they really a bad team? Are they a team that's learning from their mistakes, or is it a team that's uh, kind of just got lucky? Let's look at the first game that they won in the three-game winning streak. They beat the the Green Bay Packers, and the Green Bay Packers isn't a good team anymore. They don't have wide receivers that can catch. Phenomenal passes or leap five feet in the air or, or jump to extend themselves for two and a half yards. They don't have players like that. Uh, obviously we not obviously we all know that De- Devante Adams left to go to uh, their worst team to the Raiders. But if you look at the Detroit Lions game against Green Bay. You see that both teams were playing so bad that you thought that both teams were trying to lose that game. And, and the fact that in that game, they didn't figure it out to keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. And they don't ever figure that out. I don't know why. They did sack him a couple of times. But for some reason, they, they, they have an issue with him. So that's the first game that they won. And then the second game they won is against, against the Bears. And I think the Bears game is much more impressive than anything else because now you understand that they're starting to do more uh, studying film and they're putting their defensive backs and their cornerbacks and safeties in the right position. Now you see that they're actually telling their players where to go. Or what the deep, what the offense is going to do, because if the safeties and corners can beat the wide receivers to that spot, then that gives the uh, the defensive line much more of a chance to work on the line to get to the backfield to get to the quarterback and distract the quarterback. Now, that Bears game we did allow uh, Justin Fields to. Run around and gain 50, 30 yards. And we had one as a touchdown. They scored a touchdown. But the one thing about Detroit about that game is that they came back from a 14 point deficit. And it's the first time they've done that since the 90s. And, and Detroit, you know, as much as I give, um, uh, Mr. Campbell crap sometimes because he's such a macho type of guy. And I emphasize on being more smart, not tough, is paying off because we all know that if you're an NFL player, you have to be tough. You have to be thick-skinned. You have to just, to get to the NFL might be easier than to stay to, to stay in the, in the NFL. Because there's always someone out there who can take a job. There's always someone, someone out there that can do a better job. There may be some time where you get hurt and some other kid comes in and takes your job. And then you never get your second chance. Kind of like Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady. During the first run of the New England Patriots Super Bowl titles. Where Bledsoe just got a concussion ran out of bounds, and some guy whacked him. And then his career was basically over. That game was done. That game was Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and Tom Brady. So Detroit Lions, you don't have to teach the guys to be tough. You have to teach the guys to be smart. Now, I do think that Detroit needs to kind of like lean away from Swift because I because it was a um, when you watch that radios or that TV program on, on HBO about Detroit, and you watched um, Swift, he didn't seem to be energetic to, to be that key running back. He just doesn't have that blood and taste of being tough. Now, Campbell would want to teach him to be tough, but to me, I think Swift is too soft to be tough. I don't think he... I just have a feeling that he's a type of running back that, that got to the NFL, that did it because that's his way of making extra money to make it out of the projects or out of that situation can't really I shouldn't say that but for some reason when you see Williams the backup running back he's got he's got that true toughness he wants to win he wants to win and that's something that you have to decide for Detroit do you want Swift who doesn't really want to run the football tough who don't want to run the football in between the tackles. If he doesn't want to do it, you're not going to gain 10, 15 yards unless, unless the offense line creates a big hole for him. And then he runs through the gaps. But with Williams, he runs through those tiny little gaps and he gets hit and he's still running. And if you look at the if you look at the phys- the physicality of of Williams, he puts on muscle. He knows that he's gonna get hit. And you can tell by his legs. He knows that his legs are his assets. He's got his eyes and his legs. Because you have to know where you're gonna run. And when things get too nitty-gritty and too tough, you gotta move your eyes so that you can move maneuver to the next spot so you can gain extra yards. But if you look at Mr. W- Mr. Williams' number 30's legs, he does that for a reason. He needs those legs so that the tackles and the, and the linebackers and the, and the cornerbacks in safety, when they try to tackle him, those knees are going to hit their, their jaw. And then that's that's what's going to get him through. That's how he scored the most touchdowns so far in this uh, 2022 season. He's got the most touchdowns. So you've got to run with him. And if you have to, I mean, and if you know what, I'm telling you, I was really disappointed when they traded Hawkinson. And here's a fun fact. After Hawkinson was traded, Detroit scored two touchdowns by tight ends, which is a phenomenal thing. I didn't know any better than that. But I still think Hockerson is a better tight end when it comes down with his hands. I think and one of the other thing that bugged me is that at the beginning of the year, they put Kennedy on the, on the practice squad. And he's already got good hands. He understands the offense of scheme. And I don't really know, to be honest with you, if Hawkinson is not a good blocker or if Kennedy is not a good blocker, but I'm sure that you could teach Hawkinson to be a better blocker because you have to block, I guess but but to me, I think I think Detroit is going somewhere. So when that game between the Bears and the in Detroit. That was real toughness. They didn't give up when they're down. You know, they—I mean, like we talk about Hutchinson all day long, but as a team effort, you have to focus on everybody. So that's why I'm not really talking about Hutchinson. I think Hutchinson's a great player. He's very young. I do like the fact that he has two interceptions—one near the end zone during the Green Bay Packers game, and the other one against the Giants. But I think that Hutchinson is a perfect example of someone that could be utilized as a linebacker and as a defensive end. I think you could utilize him easily. I think he's a type of player that is very intelligent, knows his football smarts. He's a football guy. So you can throw things at him in a book, and he'll analyze it, and he'll see something that May not make sense, or you may see something that could be alternated so that the team could be in a better situation. So, I really think that in the future, I really do think that in the future, Hutchinson will be a captain, but I wouldn't make him a captain yet, this year or next year, or the, by the third year, I think he should. But but this year and next year, I think his role would be just learn as much as possible. Uh, I do think that if you make him a captain too early, uh, the rest of the team isn't going to respect him. He needs to earn his seniority for that to happen. You don't want to just give it to somebody who's a rookie and is having a really great year. But next year or by the end of the year, there'll be teams who might figure him out. There might be things that he does that twitches or something that gives it away of what or what move he's going to use. If he's going to use the inside move, is he going to wrap his hands down so the offensive line guy uh, hands can't, can't block him? I don't know. But... I know that if you make him a captain too early, the rest of the teams are not going. That the rest your team isn't going to respect him. There'll be players who've been nitty gritty, like Mr. Campbell was tell you, who's been there for years, and and you give him to a rookie or a second year player, that's kind of a slapping the guys, slapping him in the face. So I think he could become like Spearman. I think he's a little faster than Spielman. Clearly, he's a little taller than Spielman. Chris Spielman is what I'm talking about—the the legendary Detroit Lion player, that linebacker. That I mean, he was a gunhole, um, toughest guy, one of the toughest guys on the football field. Probably one of the nicest guys off the football field as well. But I do think, I do think that the third game on this third winning winning streak against the Giants. I was more surprised that the Giants weren't more sufficiently on cue. I think I think Barley, I mean Barkley and then Barley, the running back for New York Giants, I think he's lost his his first step. I think he's a kind of a an injured uh, uh athlete that doesn't want to get hurt again he doesn't have faith in his knees after that acl torn he's running too soft or maybe his knees are just not that strong anymore i mean you get hit i'm telling you folks you don't need to be you don't need to be taught to be tough in the nfl you just don't if you get to the nfl or any professional league you're 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 already tough. You just are. So I do think Josh Allen I mean I do think that that Daniel Jones for 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 the Giants, I think he got screwed for for having one of those wide receivers be traded. I think they're kind of screwing him over. But I do think that I do think that, that game against Detroit versus versus the giants. I think that's a good a good indication that the team is understanding their roles. I think it's a good way to understand that Detroit understands how to win. And in this 3-game winning streak is something that Detroit not the Detroit fans need more than but the Detroit players need so they get comfortable winning. So this isn't becoming a fluke thing. Oh, we got lucky. Oh, that referee missed that call. Oh, that was a great catch. Whoa. Oh, look. He ran 99. He ran 99 yards. Ooh, we got lucky for a touchdown. But no, I mean they're playing smart. Their their offensive their offensive calls are much wider. They're changing their offensive calls. You don't see the same play every single week things are changing and they stick to the running game and protect Jared Goff they'll do something you have to give Jared Goff time I mean, you have to give every quarterback enough time but Jared Goff is he's the type of guy that you know he's not I mean I'm going to tell you this he's not as bad as Matthew Stafford and when I say that, people are like what? What are you talking about? Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl. But you have to understand that with Matthew Stafford, when he gets desperate, he throws the ball completely in the air, hope for the best, and the ball either gets intercepted or he gets really sacked. And then he hits. And then he doesn't know how to slide. He doesn't know how to just run out of bounds. He does know how to protect himself. So. With Jared Goff, when I said a year, two years ago, like this is great, we got Jared Goff, and I was wrong last year because Jared Goff took a little too. Jared Goff needed more time to understand the offense and the scheme of Detroit Lions, and, and, and Matthew Stafford when he got into the Rams, they ran the offense like him, the way that they needed to run the offense, fast, fast, fast. And Jared Goff is more like he needs time to have the receivers run the routes, uh, read the read the defense, and then the, the tight ends going to be open. I really do think they need to use the tight ends more. Maybe you have a, a double tight end. So two tight ends at the end of, of, of the line, but you don't know which one's going out. So it could be Kennedy or another guy or another player. I think the two tight end offense could work and having two tight ends would also distract the defense line and distract the linebackers from not knowing if they're going to give it to a tight end a wide receiver or to a running back. And by having two tight ends, you basically your your running game will open up even more because then the def, because the because of the The linebackers have to look for the for the tight ends first, and then they have to go to the running back. But if the but if they throw the ball to the tight end, then they have to alternate it. Or if one of the tight ends go out, they have to alternate who's going to cover which tight end. And then you could delay delay run and then you'll you get six, seven yards easy. I mean, like that type of stuff. That type of stuff is what Detroit needs to do, and they're starting to do that now. Do I really think that they're going to be able, able to beat Josh Allen and the Bills with Gabe Davis and and Stefan Gibbs or Diggs? And do I think that they're that they're going to be able to? Do I think that they can be able to stop signatory? I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't. But I tell you this. If Minnesota Vikings figured out how to keep the game close against the Bills on the road, Detroit should really, really look at that. At that game. And they should really look at what kind of play calls that. The defense play calls that, that the Vikings use against Josh Allen to cover Stefan Diggs and and Gabe Davis and Signetary. The first thing they're gonna to have to do is stop the running game. And Signatary isn't that great of a running back, but he's smart enough to know how to get six, seven, twenty yards here. And then that opens up the offense lot, the offense playbook for you no know, for the Bills. But I really think that Detroit needs really take a lot more chances. I think they're going to have to open up the, the play call. I think they're going to have to go deep a couple of times on first down or second down or whatever down. You don't want to go third down and 10 or third down and 20 and throw the ball deep, but you don't want to under, undercut your player under 10 yards so if you got third down and twelve, and you go and throw the ball underneath before the first down, you're pretty much stupid. But but if the defense is playing a soft uh, uh, a soft a uh, zone, that's what they're going to do. So you have to take what you can get. So if you see the if you see a th- a, a three eight, then you're going to have to throw the ball at least underneath. Or to a running back. If you see a four if you see a nickel defense, so there'd be an extra defensive back in the back, then they're gonna be open holes, pockets, so that the receivers should also understand the defensive call that their opponents are using. So they need the receivers need to understand, okay, this guy's out right here, and these guys are right here. This defense is playing this type of defense. We need at least ten yards. So I need to find a pocket so that so that our quarterback, Jared Goff, can throw it right to him. And it's about and you gotta understand, it's about pockets. When you play a team like the Bills, and they, they stop you on first and second down, and then third down and ten, the receivers need to learn where those pockets are. And the quarterback is important. It's very important for the quarterback to make eye contact to those receivers to understand that, all right, we have the blitz coming. I need you ready to catch the football. And that's something that Detroit had a little struggle. So when the blitz came, they did not, they didn't, they just didn't, the receivers just weren't there. They weren't ready. Now when it was, when the receivers were in the inside um, in the middle of the field, seven yards out, so when they did a little slant route, that worked, and it really works with the tight ends. And it really did work. And those type plays are, are going to have to help Detroit keep Josh Allen off the football field. It really will. One last thing. One last thing. Before I let you guys go. I do, think that, I do think that in order for Detroit to win, they're going to have to keep Josh Allen in the pocket. I would not let him out of the pocket. It's important to understand that in today's football, you've, you've got to keep the quarterback in the pocket. Now, if it's someone like Tom Brady, yeah, you want him to run like a chicken without, without his, head caught, with his head caught off because he doesn't have speed. And one of the things that kills Detroit is when they don't keep the the their opponent's quarterback in the pocket. Josh Allen's gonna run out of that pocket and get himself 15 yards at least twice in this game. So there's no reason for you to hold. You just gotta understand that if you're gonna let him run out of the pocket, at least try to get him out of bounds. And if that means that he'll just gain five yards, then let it be five yards. You don't want him running around outside the pocket and then everyone's chasing him and then he throws the football 20 yards down the field and then that's how Diggs gets open and that's how he run for a 40-yard touchdown. I mean, you have to keep him in the pocket. It's important for Detroit to keep him in the pocket. It's important to make sure that Hutchinson is not the only one blitzing the quarterback, and he's not. There's other players that are doing a really good job. Um, this, this line, uh, this defense line guy, number 40, 54, don't remember his name. I think he just came out of, of injury and all that stuff last week. But if you can keep the quarterback in the pocket, Detroit has a legitimate chance. If you can stop the running game... And halt that running game, you can keep the game close. And and if you can change things during halftime and, and, and understand that the game's going to change. So the game one is the first half. Game two is in the second half. If the coaches can adjust their game in the second half, they have a really good chance. I'm thinking Detroit should be up by three points in the halftime. Detroit can be up by three points in a halftime. They're 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 lurking they're looking great. Looking awesome. All right. I gotta go. I was going to talk about the other games, but I'm not. I could, but I'm not, but I'm a Detroit guy. I'm got my Detroit Red Wings hat on. Uh, so I'm a Detroit guy. So hopefully Detroit pulls it out another fourth game in a row. Uh they are giving Detroit nine and a half points to lose, so if you're a gambling man, that's not a bad bet. But if you're a Detroit Lion fan, you want that to be untrue. You want them to win, not lose. So, so if you're gonna gamble, gamble with your with your brain, not your heart. And uh, yeah, so that was great. It was fun. Um, hopefully, everybody has a, a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, if you like this podcast, it's the Crazy Dre Podcast Show. It's Andre's Podcast, uh, a.k.a. Crazy Crockett. Uh, you can email me at crazydrepodcastshow at gmail.com. All right, I'm out. Peace.